1: Bears for fear. Now, I'm Jeff Perkins, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by E.J. Snyder. And E.J., what do I call you now?
2: I have a new title. It's so important and official, and it comes with so many benefits you can't even imagine. Let's hear it. Senior Draft Analyst at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, I know, fancy, right? Super swanky, but no, decided that uh, Jacob Infante, who if you don't follow on our site, you really should be... Uh, should become the lead draft analyst with just the frequency of the work he's doing and the quality of the work he's doing. Um, Again, if you're into the draft and you're not following Jacob Infante, you really need to. Uh, he also writes for USA Today's DraftWire, so he gets the title of Lead Draft Analyst. I sort of graduate to Senior Draft Analyst. Uh, I get to keep doing what I'm doing, and uh, Jake gets a little bit more responsibility, but we're all going to be here covering the draft and bringing you big coverage on Windy City, so not a lot of changes there, just uh, just some housekeeping changes.
1: Oh, so it's kind of a professor emeritus status for you from now on. And uh, Bears Over Beers, although not legal for Mr. Infante at this point in his uh, young life, we are big fans, and we will uh, keep the beers cold and we'll drink them for him uh, until he is of legal age. So there's a second part to that announcement, though, and you have a second project going on.
2: Yeah. So since we last met and kicked off Bears Over Beers season two, which we're really excited about. I got together with Brett Kallman, uh of uh, YouTube's The Film Room, who you may know and follow if you're into X's and O's videos or, or just general NFL coverage. Brett's great for that. And we decided to put our heads together and come up with a project that we're calling Bootleg Football. It is part YouTube channel, part podcast. We're going to have some Twitch live streams. We're going to bring you content for the whole NFL um, we're doing both. We just got the podcast up on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the channel is also on YouTube under Bootleg Football Podcast. so content going there, content going on all your major podcast providers, and we're really looking forward to it. Brett loves the draft almost as much as I do, so we've been riffing pretty hard on that stuff, and we've got some fun sort of off offbeat commentary coming your way about uh, where people might land in the draft as well, so look out for that. It's just more football goodness, the draft, and much larger NFL stories as we go on. So super excited about that as well. And you also drink alcoholic beverage at the top. We do. The bootleg name came about because uh, we ended up drinking and talking about football at the Senior Bowl, and we decided that that was a really good pastime and that we wanted to basically... (laughs) do that and perpetuate that sort of style and so we did and uh brett is a huge fan of scotch i'm not a huge fan of scotch as you know but i do like whiskey and bourbon and tequila and a good number of other things so we also discussed drinks on that show and as one of my relatives pointed out that is now two football and alcohol podcasts that you're part of what's going on and i was like well uh if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck i guess it's a duck
1: (laughs) Uh, football guy with a drinking problem or a drinker with a football problem, not sure which, uh, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll launch into this one with our beers for this episode. I'm curious what you're bringing. I'm going to save mine because I'm really excited about sharing it.
2: Oh, I'm excited too because this has a tie-in with you. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. You have been to Tampa and you've actually been to this brewery. It's Cigar City Brewing and it is the Maduro Brown Ale and uh, I love brown ales. I saw this and thought of you uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was at the beer store, so I picked one up, and I'm super excited about it.
1: Uh, What do you have? Well, I just got back from a trip uh, to the uh, Dirty Coast, the South Coast, whichever you want to call it, down in Louisiana and Mississippi. Ran a half marathon in Jackson, Mississippi last weekend, and I picked up a few different beers, and this one is from Great Raft, out of shreveport louisiana and it is called reasonably corrupt and the reason i brought it on <laughs> is because we are currently or very close to what is sometimes called the league tampering period uh, in the nfl and i thought reasonably corrupt sounds like uh, legal tampering and our colleague ken mitchell who runs the den for wendy city Grand does a great job he hates that term and so I am toasting Ken's hatred of legal tampering with a beer called Reasonably Corrupt. It's a black lager, so I'm excited to get into this. That sounds tremendous. And yeah, Ken does a fantastic job. If
2: you follow us, you probably read Windy City Gridiron as well. And you see the den every day. It's a ton of work to put together. Ken does a fantastic job, and he's also a great guy. We both got to meet him in person at Bears camp this summer. And, uh, yes, there are few things uh, besides the Packers that Ken hates more than the term legal tampering. So uh, here's to Ken and the Den and uh, the death, eventually, of the term legal tampering because um, it's dumb and we don't like it.
1: <laughs> it is pretty dumb, and it's the second or third year where we've gotten a uh... – an email from ken to to all the writers like hey don't use that term and so i thought it'd be funny if i led off by using that term uh, so it's in in your honor ken uh reasonably corrupt so <laughs> well that sounds right.
2: fantastic i can't wait to hear how that turns out because black loggers are are one of my favorites so i hope
1: it's good first taste is a okay so we will uh we'll check in on that at the end so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about free agency. And we're going to split this into two. So we're going to talk about offense first. That'll be this episode. And then we're going to come back and talk about defense. And basically, we're going to go through and highlight the positions that we think the Bears will attack in either free agency or the draft. And we're going to go through guys that are at the top of the market, which the Bears probably are not going to be going after, but we'll establish who those guys are. And then talk through some of those second-tier guys that the Bears might be able to afford uh, once those first guys come off the board, or maybe they go after them early. Uh, they might be able to afford one uh, premium free agent, but I can't see it being more than, more than that. Uh, so we're going to start off with the quarterback position, and there are a ton of interesting or famous or interestingly famous quarterbacks that are out there <laughs> uh, and so i just have a ton of names and i just kind of want to go through them uh to make sure that we've covered at least the big ones you know so people are like why didn't they talk about so and so um so we're going to try to we're going to try to reach the top of the names but i'm not going to get all of them because there's some guys you're you're going to talk about a guy that i didn't write down and so um i'm I I'm sure we're going to miss somebody, but we're going to we're going to hit the big names. So, let me start off by saying Dak Prescott and Drew Brees, those guys ain't going anywhere. Those guys are going to be signed by the by the Cowboys and the Saints. They're not going to be on the free agent market. So, we are writing them off. Um, and then I cannot see any plausible scenario where Tom Brady or Philip Rivers comes to the Bears. Do you agree with those four?
2: Uh, I do. I think if Dak makes the open market, it's one of the biggest stories of the NFL offseason. It means things went terribly south with Jerry Jones and just exploded. And like you, I doubt that's going to happen. I believe he stays with the Cowboys. Breeze is a natural fit to stay with the Saints. I absolutely can't see him going anywhere. Rivers, I think, is done physically, mentally. I think uh, if he plays in a zone behind a really, or in a dome behind a really good offensive line, he's got maybe a year left, but his arm really tailed off at the end of last year. So I kind of don't want to see him throwing the ball in December in Chicago. Now, I have a ton of respect for Phillip Rivers. I, his achievements, his nature, his makeup, I, he's a great competitor but I just don't want to see him doing that year and a half stint in a Bears uniform before he hangs him up. And Brady uh Brady I don't know what's going on. It sounds like he's probably out of New England, but I think he's probably got three or four other destinations that make a lot more sense than Chicago. So while he may shake loose from his team and still does have value if he lands somewhere especially like oh, I don't know, San Francisco. Uh, or Tennessee behind, you know, a pretty fierce offensive line and a really good running game, he could definitely sort of shake up the landscapes in those divisions. But I don't see him ending up in the NFC North wearing navy and orange.
1: Yeah, I I think Rivers probably goes to the Colts. Um, that's, and, that's my inner dome behind a good offense. Yeah, line. I think that's, that's yeah. code for the Colts. Now, Phillip Rivers, five years ago, I think he goes to Tampa oh, Bay and he Totally different thing. Hangs yeah. out with Bruce Ayans and throws the, chucks the ball down the field. But he just doesn't have the arm for that right now. So, um, Brady. All right. So let, let's dig into Brady a little bit because what I've heard, it's kind of all over the map, but you know, I've kind of heard maybe 50, 50 that he, he comes back or that he, he leaves. And I've heard three locations that have at least a little bit of smoke to it. The first is Tennessee. Now, if he signs in Tennessee, that means that Ryan Tannehill's kick free. If he the second is in Oakland, because John Gruden loves all quarterbacks. They're moving to Vegas. They want to sell season tickets, they want to get hype, whatever you want to call, it, whatever that play is, even if it's more for fame and money than it is for a uh, real football. Uh, decision That's possible. If that happens Derek Carr immediately becomes available And the other one I heard is San Francisco, which seems nuts to me I don't really get it, but let's just say for the sake of argument that that happens. I Think that would mean Jimmy G's available. I don't think you could have both of them on the roster They've already been teammates, but I don't think that they they, uh, they become teammates again in San Francisco now That's Brady's boyhood team He he grew up a Niners fan, uh, grew up watching Joe Montana, all that stuff. Okay, so it's possible. Now, of those guys and what you think the compensation would be and the trade value that would be required to remove uh, Carr and Jimmy G from those teams, any of those guys interest you and to what degree?
2: So they all interest me to some degree because the Bears don't have a stable quarterback right now in terms of somebody that you can plug in and win a bunch of games with. And I know people will argue with me up and down. Uh, they have for most of the off season, but Mitch won 11 games. I, I know I get it. <laughs> but as of last year, he didn't win very many games and games that got won in spite of him. Um, so I, you know, I love Mitch and I hope he rebounds, but I'm not going to count on that. If I'm a general manager on a football team, that's loaded up with talent and ready to make a run for the playoffs. So in terms of the trade compensation for, say, Jimmy G or Derek Carr, I'm not as interested because the Bears are in a low ebb in terms of their overall resource, right? They don't have a ton of cap space, they don't have a ton of picks, and they definitely don't have a ton of high picks. And I would not like to see them give that up, despite the importance of the quarterback position, which I think is the most important position, not only in football, but in sports. And look, if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you're not going to win and win big right? You you may win. You may go 500. Uh, you, you may even make the playoffs, but the, the teams that make it to the big dance have good quarterbacks who, when the chips are down, uh, can put the team on their back a little bit and make a play or two. And uh, until the Bears do that, uh, I'm sort of behind almost any move that they're going to make in the quarterbacking direction. But there's uh, of those three, I would take Tannehill because you don't have to trade for him he would be loose he is a free agent he had a very good close to 2019 and people uh, i said that on twitter the other day and people went up one side of me and down the other and said it was derrick henry they ran the ball with derrick henry well it's true it's true that a good running game absolutely sets it up and tennessee absolutely had a good running game derrick henry also had a very good close to 2019 and football teams are teams for a reason but Tannehill excelled in the back half of 2019. And people that don't want to see that or say that are looking at Tannehill in Miami. Tannehill, as he got to Tennessee before they changed the game plan, his back half of 2019 was exceptional. It was very, very good. He was the hottest quarterback in football for most of those weeks. So is that lightning in a bottle? It might be. Uh, Can only a team with a very good running game unlock Ryan Tannehill? Uh, That might be possible. But if the Bears... You know, get some help at right guard. We're going to talk about that. And David Montgomery gets some more opportunities. I think they have a very good running game. So there you are. And they also have a lot of good targets for him to throw to. So of the three, I would take Tannehill.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And and I think Tannehill had a great year as well. And do we really need to judge Ryan Tannehill uh, negatively because of his time in Miami? I mean that people was a do. team that wasn't very good, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's people do, I and mean, that's just what gets me is you get these players that are in bad situations, and maybe they're not good, but the the other thing is that maybe that organization's not very good, and they were in a can't win uh, situation, and so they get out, they go somewhere else, uh, uh, good coaching, good situation, good surroundings unlocks them. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is you know, the best back in the league by any stretch of the imagination, but he does have a first round pedigree and he, um, you know, has shown some success and certainly very good. And the play action passing game, which isn't necessarily something that uh, Matt Nagy calls with frequency, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, but uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. Those are the that's the guy I know. We have um, some differences of opinion with our colleague uh, Robert Schmitz, who seems to have developed quite the man crush on Derek Carr, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I, am not, I'm not a big fan of Carr's game, and I'm not sure that it would mesh well. Uh, Behind what the Bears have an offensive line right now, which is a, an average offensive line is at this point with uh, some gaping holes that we'll talk about here in a minute um, And Jimmy G I like Jimmy G. I thought I thought the Bears should have gone after him uh, you know the year that I thought he was available, but I really find the Brady San Francisco thing pretty far-fetched. So I think this is just not a real thing anyway, but um, that's it's not the guy that I would pull the trigger on. I think I would rather keep my draft picks and either make a play for one of these guys that we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, and try to get into the draft later on if the the situation with Trubisky and you know player B uh, doesn't work out in 2020, or um, you know basically just keep your powder dry. So that that's kind of where I'm at, and I agree. If you can get somebody on the free agent market like Tannehill, uh, I think that's you got. I think you got to do it. Okay. It's it's a much better stabilization than what they've got. I mean,
2: would they win more games with the back half of 2019 Ryan Tannehill running the ship uh, than they did last year with Trubisky running the same ship? I think they do. I think they pick up at least two or three of those games with Tannehill, you know, in the back half of 2019. So if you're just doing apples to apples, it's an upgrade.
1: Yep. Okay. So uh, the Bengals got the number one overall pick. And it's pretty much a done deal, at least seems like to me, that they're going to take Joe Burrow with the number one pick. There's a little. They'd better. Uh, I, mean, I mean, they'd better. Yeah. I can, I can, I guess, I can see a scenario where there's, say, hey, you know, Chase Young, Ohio State guy, uh, you know, or the Bengals, you know, is right there in Columbus. Like, let's get this Ohio State guy, a generational pass rusher. You know, and, and we'll, we'll figure out the quarterback later, right? Like, dumb idea, but like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's the Bengals. Maybe they do that. But it's got, they got to take Burrow, right? So let's pencil him into Cincinnati. And that means that Andy Dalton's available. And our other colleague, um, Bill Zimmerman, has been on this for a while. and I, I This is the guy that's always made the most sense to me uh, since the Bengals finished with the number one overall pick is Andy Dalton. Uh, being made available for a low draft pick trade or possibly cut uh, and 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 uh, being on the free agent market. Dalton's the guy to me that makes the most sense out of anybody that we're going to talk about because who did the Bears hire as their offensive coordinator? Bill Lazor. Bill Lazor. So Bill Lazor was Andy Dalton's offensive coordinator and actually got some pretty good football out of him. And I know that we like to think of Andy Dalton as a not good quarterback, and he certainly has put up some pretty – <laughs> uh, to be desired <laughs> seasons in Cincinnati with a uh, crumbling cast around him, but there he's actually put up some really good numbers as well. And so I'm—I actually don't hate this idea of Andy Dalton coming to Chicago. What where, where are you at on that? I—I I think Dalton's probably the guy. Not because I think
2: again Andy Dalton is the savior and we'll take the Bears to the promised land, but of the options that are likely to be available. Dalton's probably the best one, and people, uh, I got told on Twitter again that there is no good Andy Dalton, that Andy Dalton sucks, and that Andy Dalton's worse than Mitch, which is not even statistically true, so I'm not sure where they got that. But what people forget is that the year that Andy Dalton was healthy and that offense was humming and he was surrounded by a good cast, which he would be surrounded by a largely good cast uh, in Chicago, especially if they upgrade the offensive line, which was a mess and they already have a new coach. So they need a couple players there. But if they did that, uh, that Cincinnati team rolled off what? Uh, They were 11 and 0 before he got hurt. And then they went on a slide, right? That's That's good football in the NFL. Wins don't come easy. And the guy that was triggering that offense was Andy Dalton. And is he still that guy? Well, I think he's more still that guy than somebody like Phillip Rivers, right? There's not been a huge deterioration in his skills in terms of arm talent or anything else. Is he going to be the top? No. But is he going to be the bottom? He's absolutely not. He's going to be somewhere in that middle third, and I think towards the upper middle third, with a good surrounding cast and familiarity with the offense, which he's probably going to have. And he's a smart guy. He doesn't have to make it all about him. He's not, Andy Dalton is not big time star power diva. He can come in his role, distribute, be the point guard and get, you know, quite a few wins out of a, what I think is a solid Bears football team. So the problem is quarterbacks are scarce in the NFL and there's going to be a lot of interest and the Bears are going to have to give a pick for him. He's not going to get cut because they are not going to be bidding against themselves as they were for say, oh, Mike Glennon. There's going to be competition, and they're going to have to throw a pick, and fans are going to go bananas. But again, I beseech you, please don't go bananas. The Bears <laughs> don't have a great quarterback right now. They need a quarterback to win some football games until they come to the true franchise savior, however they do that in the future. But for now, they need a good, stable, middle-of-the-road quarterbacking option, and that's Andy Dalton if they have to give up a fourth oh god forbid a fourth or a fifth round pick to do it that's okay that's a lot better than saying well we'll just scrape along with no quarterback for the next year have everybody be a year older and closer to their contract expiring and then we'll start up with some rookie to be named later who is the second coming um i don't think that's a great idea and i think dalton's one of the best bridges available for now that's reasonable to come lose
1: yeah, I mean, we're talking about a quarterback who's made a couple Pro Bowls. I know we talked about the Pro Bowl, we bash the Pro Bowl, um, but he, you know, he's had some success. He, he's entering his age thirty three season, so it's you know for a quarterback that's you know right over the middle of his career. And so, what is that, I, ten years younger than Brady. <laughs> well, right, exactly, right. Um, it, it, this is a guy that is known as being just a hardworking Texan, you know, lunch pail kind of guy. Just shows up, works hard. You know, it doesn't have a big ego. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with adding him to this locker room. And, and in fact, again, if you've got his offensive coordinator, and, you know, as we've talked about before, you got a guy like that that's, you know, beaten on the table for a guy, you bring him in. And I think the only way that the Bears give up a fourth is if the Bengals take on a little bit of that salary. But I don't know. I don't think I'd hate it. Can, um,
2: can we talk about that for just a second? because i keep hearing the salary thing right you can't bring him on you bring him on at 17 million it's an abomination right it's it's if they bring him on at 17 million it's financial negligence fire pace you know shoot the organ like it's so stupid 17 is a pittance i think that's like the 19th best salary in the league going into next year like
1: I, I'd be surprised if it's that, if it's that high, I know yeah, that's it's, not a big number. I, I, guess I know, it would be but everybody of- freaks
2: me? out about the money and no, it's no. like 17 is completely affordable for a guy you're expecting to take probably every snap of the 2020 season. That's not huge. And it's certainly not any kind of obstacle. And I see so many people throw it up and I'm like, stop. You realize that especially if the salary cap goes up as much as projected, if the CBA gets approved, like, that's going to be a value quarterback salary.
1: So I guess what what I'm trying to say is I think that if they – to make the pick more attractive. Oh, yes. Then they could convert some of the salary into guaranteed and basically yep. buy a better pick. Yep. So maybe that – just from a performance standpoint, Dalton might be worth more like, you know, get him off the roster. We're going to have Joe Burrow. We don't have a lot of leverage. And so we just want to – we want to get – out there we don't want to cut them because we don't get anything for that so can we get you know something and if they go out there people might be like "Eh, i don't know fifth rounder and okay okay let's say we take on five million of that salary we bump it up to a four yep we'll do that that's what i'm saying i i mean you're starting to see a lot of very creative gm Mm -hmm. moves where they you know the you know the dolphins taking on i don't know what was the, the browns right, uh, mm-hmm. where, they, where they took on Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. Side. Yeah, they basically bought, bought a, a couple of picks. Right. Yep. And so you're starting to see some creative GM moves, and that's kind of opened the door for, for some thinking like that. And, and I don't know where the Bengals are at with salary cap, but they're traditionally a very conservative organization. And so if they're just looking to improve the pick, I can see them uh, doing, doing a little bit of that to make it creative. But, um, you know, even if it's straight up and the Bears pay a four, for one year of Andy Dalton, I think that's too much. But I also think that that's um, what they have to do to, get to, to improve that quarterback room. So uh, I, it, it sounds like we're kind of on the same page with Dalton. But I wanna I wanna talk about. Let's see, I've got four other names, and and I think you have at least one more. But let's let's go through them. So other than those guys that we've already talked about, top of the market guy out there, in my opinion, is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to get a lot more than some people think. Um, we've exchanged some text messages and, and, uh, mes- and direct messages on Twitter about some people that have a very low valuation on Teddy Bridgewater and not quite sure why, uh, uh, Bridgewater seems to me to be kind of the premium guy. I'd love to sign him, uh, as a, as a Bears fan, just to see Vikings fans just freak out.
0: Um, sure. Cause like
1: <laughs> they love that guy still. That's an added uh, bonus. Yeah. So that would be amazing. Um, I, I what do you think the likelihood is if they don't make a deal for Dalton, uh, Tannehill re-signs with Tennessee, Brady re-signs with the Patriots, everybody kind of stays put on that you know carousel, and and uh, Bridgewater's the most attractive guy. Do you, th- you think the Bears can make a play for him? Uh, they can, of
2: course, if they want to. One thing that you learn when you watch this league long enough, as you and I have, is GMs can always make money. They can always make money appear. There's always right. a way to squeeze money out, uh especially for a position like edge rusher or cornerback or in this case, quarterback. The bottom line is Teddy Bridgewater is going to get big dollars. Like he's going to go for starting money somewhere and starting money in this league is uh oh, people don't want to hear it, but it's about 25 million a year. Right. And if the salary cap goes up a lot, it's going to go up. It's going to be like 28 million a year. And people look at the number and they lose their minds. They're like, Twenty eight million a year for Teddy Bridgewater. No, twenty eight million a year for the top free agent quarterback available on the market. This is a market, it is supply and demand. You cannot just go to the cupboard and get another one right? If you want that guy, you're going to pay for it. There's going to be a couple of people that want that guy. The only scenario where I would see the bears try to put together any offer because he's going to get big dollars and he's going to want some security in years. He's not going to sign a two-year deal. He's going to want a three or four or five-year deal minimum. So that's not in Chicago's roundhouse. That's not what they're loading up for. The only way I could see them making a play for Bridgewater and again, if they could, I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's going to happen, would be if that game of musical chairs works out just so that there's no real attractive starting spots left. Right. And then you start thinking, hey, should we move some money around and offer Teddy, you know, uh, say two years at 50 million with maybe the first million guaranteed or the first year guaranteed.
1: I mean right. all right let me let me let me let me do this.
2: Yeah. The
1: Kirk Cousins deal.
2: Yeah, oh yeah.
1: Ooh. Right? Uh-huh. No, I'm aware. He's, he's going into year 3, right? Uh-huh. So we've already like age inflated that a little bit back, right? Uh-huh. So that's 3 years 84 million. Mm-hmm. Fully guaranteed. Yep. Get what about giving that to Bridgewater? Ugh. <laughs> I I, it's, a, lot it's of
2: money. a it's a lot of money and I just don't think the Bears heads are in that now pace obviously still has some ties to his former employer the new orleans saints he has probably a decent line on what teddy bridgewater is teddy bridgewater played extensively which a lot of these guys besides Tannehill, uh haven't done recently um you know not even the red rifle not even Andy dalton has played as many games recently as teddy has and ryan has um marcus mariota hasn't like he's got very current tape out there and he operated the offense at a very high level New orleans picked up most of the games as wins that he started he's got the best resume going and he's not old uh he's shown to be you know at least durable enough after the sort of catastrophic knee injury that he had early in his career look that guy is a premium asset in the league and he's not going to go for cheap and i just i don't see the bears screwing up that kind of money would i do it sort of monopoly money I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he could be very good in Matt Nagy's offense. Uh, I would love to see it. I was a Teddy Bridgewater coming out of Louisville um, when he got drafted, but I just don't see Chicago in that position again. They got limited resources, and I just don't think their heart's in it. And if they're not, they're they're not going to win this one because that guy's going to go to a place where he gets dollars
1: in years. Bridgewater was five and zero oh as a starter, including that embarrassing beatdown of the Bears. And so oh, you wonder if that's in the that game. hardly counts though right I, oh, I don't know they that was an embarrassment that that game and so I realize. You, you wonder if that sticks in the head of a GM uh, I think we've seen that before where a guy goes after someone who they played incredibly well against their team so anyway just this kind of interesting all right I want to I want to touch on two guys they went one and two in the same draft and they're potentially both going to be available uh, Oh James. yeah Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Now Winston might re-sign in Tampa. I I don't really see it, but like now I'm kind of getting a lot of conflicting views on that. Mariota is definitely going to be available. There was a lot of smoke about the Bears trading up with Tennessee uh, when he was coming out, trading Jay Cutler to Tennessee. Cutler, a Nashville resident, uh, you know, Vanderbilt guy loves, well, you know, I think he would have loved to play there. Um, And, uh, the Ryan Pace really liked Mariota. Was it Pace at the time? I think. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, he's got a chance. Here he is. He's on the open market. Uh, where do you put these guys? And of the two, if you had to sign one of them, who would you sign?
2: Yeah. This is a great question because it's funny you bring up Cutler uh, in relation to Mariota, but Jameis is the new Cutler in a lot of ways. I mean, he's the 30 for 30 guy, right? Last year. Oh, nope, 30 touchdowns and 30 picks, right? And there's been a lot made out of his eyesight and a lot of the things. Look, Jameis Winston is the guy that we thought he was coming out of college, and he's proved it with a starting spot in the league for a good many years now. That guy throws picks. He is a tiger, and those are his stripes. He is going to continue to throw picks. Will he throw 30? No, I don't think so. I hope not, but even if he throws 15 or 20, right? If he throws two-thirds of the picks he had last year, it's way too many to operate an offense efficiently. He is a guy that still just doesn't catch it. So I am a no on Jameis. No, thank you. Uh-uh. Not ever. I really hope it doesn't happen, him coming to the Bears. If he stays in Tampa, fine. Whatever. I'm not a huge Bucks fan. Like, just Jameis can do whatever Jameis wants to do. He just doesn't get to do it in Chicago. Marcus Mariota was a guy I was higher on of the two, um, did not have a great run in Tennessee, and that is certainly partly on him, but it's also partly on how Tennessee was run uh, with exotic smash mouth and any other number of things. Before Mike, Brable, Mike Vrabel became the head coach and kind of laid down a little bit more, more no-nonsense, the franchise changed a little bit with new ownership as well. Uh, Amy Adams taking over and and leading them to a very different way and you you saw them as a very different dangerous team in the playoffs last year because of it so Again, it's kind of like judging Tannehill, the guy that was his successor in Tennessee, on his Miami performance. Do we judge Mariota completely on his Tennessee performance? Well, it's all you got, but he looked very good in college at Oregon. Now, do I think he's going to come in and be even at the level of Andy Dalton? No, he's taken a bit of a beating both mentally and physically, and he's going to need to sort of recover and get in a space where he can be quote-unquote safe a little bit before he sort of bounces back I think sometimes a fresh opportunity is all you need but I would sign Mariota out of the two for sure um better if he's a backup and not your starter but who knows maybe Matt and could could pull some magic out of Mariota I still think it's there and I would still bet on him before I bet on Jameis because the turnovers just kill me the highs with Jameis are amazing when he makes a great throw it's stunning and that's what reminds me of Cutler
1: yeah absolutely I I mean he's Cutler 2.0, but also like, yeah. Uh, you know, here's the thing: you don't want to order the crab Lakes in Chicago, so Jameis doesn't really fit. So let's uh, let's let's keep. Wow, it. Uh, wow. Uh, let's I thought this was deeper dives and cooler takes because uh, that didn't. That seemed like a, a lukewarm
2: uh, or maybe a just, mid-level take there. I'm, I'm,
1: yeah, I'm not. But I'm not, with you. I'm, that's
2: just one more thing, right? Never been and, a big
1: fan of the eating the, e the W. There you go. But, um, I, yep. I like Mariota and uh, But where I have Mariota for, So I think someone's going to pay Way too much for Jameis For some reason, I'm not sure why um, I, But I think Mariota Is going to have to reestablish his career somewhere And I think he's got to do basically what Tannehill Did last year In Is come in uh, to a competition And be there ready In case that guy falls or beat him out Altogether, and that's a really good spot Chicago to come in And, and try to work with Mitchell Trubisky and see if he can beat him out. So I, I'm, I'm very interested in that as a um, As a potential uh, landing spot for, for Mariota um, And and I think you know in, in general His skill set just never got tapped into because of what they were trying to do with you Like you said the exotic smash mouth and so I, I'm, I'm just curious to see what Matt Nagy could do with him uh, I, I actually I would be more happy with Mariota than, I think, 98% of Bears fans. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: think I'd be with you. I think we're the 2%, Yeah, and we're happy to be. So now, again, he needs to kind of reestablish himself, I think, both mentally and physically. But he does have a lot of those skills that Matt Nagy looks to like. Uh, to run in his offense, he's a bit of a precursor. He's very mobile. He's very athletic. He's lost a little bit of that as he's been beaten up. But he people forget that when he used to take off at Oregon, like Justin Herbert is not the first fast, big arm quarterback to come out of Oregon. And Mariota was that athletic guy. People were like, "Can he be a pocket passer?" Right. Well, he becomes a sort of almost true pocket passer in Tennessee and gets pummeled. So it'd be neat to see him moving and rolling out. He was very good on the run at Oregon. So so if if they want to run that bootleg game, that again they've they've run with Trubisky, it's not uh, not unfamiliar uh, to the Bears' offense. I think Mariota's got a shot to develop into something, but I just don't want him to come into the hot spotlight and be the guy, the saver, the only pro with experience on the roster because I I'm not sure he would react well to that. But I'm again not sure he wouldn't.
1: Yeah, I thought you were talking about Joey Harrington, talking about helpful
2: quarterbacks. <laughs> not, um, <mobile. laughs> not mobile. Not mobile. Um, Joey ran okay. Like, yeah. to his credit, he ran okay. But he, he he I'm betting on Marcus in a foot race. Wasn't a
1: speedster. Uh, all right, so the last guy that I have, and and this is the last guy I list because if the Bears don't sign or acquire one of the guys that I've already talked about, and then this is my last guy, and they go below this tier, I'm I'm not going to be very happy. So this is my last guy, that I can be like, okay, and that's Case Keenum, and a lot of people might snicker, but Keenum's pretty fearless. He, has, seems like a pretty smart quarterback. He's been able to come in and pick up a lot of different systems. He's had moderate degrees of success at multiple stops. Um, to me, this is kind of the, you know, this is the 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 least valuable consolation prize uh that you get as a door prize but this is the guy that i'm this is my floor i hope it gets better but this is the guy that i can at least walk away with and be like okay yep i see it this is a this is a good fail safe if trubisky really does fall uh in in 2020 and he can come in and pick up the offense quickly and he can sling it and he's fearless what do you think
2: uh Uh (laughs) nope
1: I don't think so. Keenum is
2: my sub floor. I Keenum, again, is pretty well established. He's had a lot of starts for a guy that hasn't been, for the most part, the established starter. Now, we've seen him in that role. Uh, but I just think he is fearless, but he hasn't, for being a smart quarterback, and I think he is a smart quarterback, he hasn't learned still when to rein it in. He will still chuck it up there. And in the NFL, the athletes are too good, that's going to bite you, and I don't I wouldn't feel a ton better about that than a lot of the other, look, very lower tier options like Jeff Driscoll is out there, speaking of Bengals, right? Lots of physical potential, very good runner, excellent runner. Um, I would say Trubisky's equal as a runner. He's very athletic, but he can be wild throwing the football, and that's Keenum to a different degree. Keenum's not going to run as much, but he is going to stand back there and let it rip. He definitely has that trait. You nailed it. And I just don't... I I'm trying to save myself here, JB. I don't want to go through the 2020 season watching Case Keenum just chuck it up. And so I would say both Driscoll and Keenum are sort of below my subfloor. That is the indication that the Bears are like, nope, we're just riding with Mitch no matter what because we brought in Jeff Driscoll or Case Keenum. And they're not expecting those guys to beat mitch and uh, if they did it's a really sad state of affairs. so can't can't really get behind either one of them i would like to see him go for at least one of those mid-tier options we talked about um, I, I believe that if you get any kind of moderate stability out of the quarterbacking spot and fixed offensive line this team wins more games yeah, next absolutely.
1: year do you have another quarterback that you want to talk about
2: or is that the list i think that's pretty much the list there's a lot of guys on the list i pulled up a, a handy 2020 nfl free agent list by position and it is funny to see how the mighty or the sometimes mighty have fallen right blaine gabbert's on there uh david Fales, a former bears player is on there more the perennial backup chad henny his buddy who's been at several stops with him AJ McCarron Brandon Allen all these guys are are hanging around Drew Stanton it's like the the Uh, backups club right yeah Yeah, they're all available but the only guy that's sort of interesting to me we don't really need to talk about him because he's a restricted free agent for Dallas and I believe they'll resign him Is Cooper Rush who is a Michigan guy Western Michigan guy um, that I thought had a little bit of potential coming out and he's looked pretty decent in some of the Dallas preseason games if he was a uh, just a, a straight free agent I'd I'd be interested again at that lower tier. I think he's got some potential, not necessarily like starter, but uh, you know, maybe develop to be a little bit better than Chase Daniel kind of a thing. But he's a restricted free agent, so
1: that's it. We're done. Moving on. <laughs> All right. Well let's uh let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the offense, which we promise we won't spend as much time on each position on the rest of the offense as we did quarterback. But it's important. We had to we had to do quarterback, uh, and I think that was the way to do it. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back on the other side. All right, EJ, we're back. So I've got three positions that I want to talk about in free agency, and you're free to fill in more if you want, three uh, remaining offensive positions. And the first is wide receiver, but specifically a speed element to the wide receiver. And I combed through the free agent wide receivers, and then I looked at the draft and all of the uh, incoming college rookies. I don't think that it's a good <laughs> year to be a free agent wide receiver. It is a
2: terrible, like historically terrible year to be a free agent wide receiver. Even a guy like Taylor Gabriel, who has been productive, who's been a very solid pro and a model citizen. His shingle is going to be very hard to to hang out this offseason because nobody's going to be buying. There are so many wide receivers in the draft. It's ridiculous. Daniel Jeremiah, who's the NFL.com draft analyst, said that he has 27 receivers with a top three round grade on them.
1: Oh my God.
2: The all-time record for number of receivers taken in the modern draft, I think is either 33 or 35, and that's in all seven rounds. Right. So he's got 27 guys that he's got slated for the top three rounds in terms of grading it is just crazy loaded so as any kind of free agent there's a lot of holes are going to be picked in your game before somebody just goes and tosses a third or fourth or fifth round pick at one of these guys because they're going to flush out not that many guys are going to get taken in the top three rounds and guys that typically we would see taken in round two or three are going to get taken in round five because there's just so many of them so it's a tough tough year to be a free agent but we're not talking about the draft yet we're talking about wide receivers free agents the one guy that sticks out as "Mm, i think he could fit the need uh he's not too old he's not terribly beat up is philip dorsett Mm -hmm. so 29 catches last year averaged 13.7 yards per catch had a long of 58 to go with five tds now that's on the patriots you can say what you want about that he's a smaller wide receiver good hands good routes um veteran very experienced ran a four-three-three coming out and more importantly i think for a receiver had a 6.7 second three cone he's only 27 it feels like he's been around forever but he's 27 he's fast he's got good hands he could be that sort of top taker in the bears offense that they've been missing Other than that, there's not a lot of guys in the free agent class that I really like. If they're just going for another receiver and you would say, why EJ, why? They have lots of good receivers. That's true, but we're not sure about the health of Anthony Miller. He injured his shoulder in the last game. Probably going to need surgery. We're not sure about that, but if you take Miller out of that rotation, it looks a little bit weaker for sure, but Tajay Sharp, Uh, had 25 catches last year averaged again over 13 yards a catch with a long of 47 had four TDs with Tennessee now they didn't throw the ball as much he's got good size and good feet he's not a burner he's over six foot over 200 pounds and I think very good sort of third, fourth receiver in this league and could fill depth nicely, might not, again, because of all the sort of flooding of the market, require much of a contract. He might be there in the second wave of free agency. He might be there in the third or the fourth wave of free agency. And if he is and you can sign that guy for quite frankly under market value, you grab him. He's a he's a productive pro. He showed he can produce against NFL cornerbacks. Is he the top
1: taker? No, but is he a you know good receiver that's probably going to make the team? He is. So a couple things. One, Taylor Gabriel, I, I will say that the Bears cutting him makes him a little bit more attractive if somebody did want to sign him because he would not count against the uh, comp draft pick formula if we still retain a comp draft formula, uh, comp pick formula in the new CBA. Sure. Um, generally, uh, veterans that are cut. Uh, they can sign and not count against that formula for losing and gaining free agents. So that might be in his favor. He's got those concussions. Um, so hopefully he's able to, uh, you know, be healthy, first of all. And, you know, if he if he's able to continue his football career, maybe that'll be a, a side in it. I like Taylor Gabriel as a, as a person, as a player. Um, and so I, I wish him the best. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, Dorsett's one of those, you know, first-round draft picks that never made good. I think he was a Colts draft pick, and then he got traded. Um kind of interesting It just didn't just has never really done much I never understood why the Colts drafted Dorsett and then signed T.Y. Hilton to a to an extension and I was like <laughs> okay but what? that's Ryan Grigson right so uh new sheriff in town in in Indiana uh, yeah not doing stupid stuff like that anymore um and then your your other uh yeah I, I don't see it I mean I don't see Tajay Sharp being a Someone who, who could come here But you know He's a fine player Like you said Um, But yeah man Talk about just Bad luck For your contract Coming up In this historically Deep draft class And if you're a wide receiver And someone offers you A contract Before the draft I think you take it Because You, you have to You <laughs> have to going to be Afterwards
2: rough. There's going to be guys On the UDFA list Who Are More sought after Than street free agents right. And that's unproven players in the NFL. That's craziness. But the bottom line is you just can't take them all. There's too many of them. So it's just such a strange year. And the dynamic is really crazy for one end, which is the established free agents. And the other one is like, if you were a junior thinking about coming out this year, or even a redshirt sophomore who was eligible, like, unless you are the second coming, stay in school (laughs) just this is not the year to try the waters you're gonna go undrafted so yeah it's a nutty nutty dynamic to the offseason that's crazy
1: all right let's move on to tight end which i think in my opinion you know besides the quarterback room of course but in my opinion this is this is the position that has to get figured out this offseason uh they signed demetrius harris who's much more of a you know uh backup tight end he's not he's not someone who's going to come in and soak up 100 targets um and so you know the the tight end room right now you're hoping Trey Burton comes back healthy he's got um his own role in that offense but we're looking for more of that bigger target and a guy that can go over the middle and and really uh Uh, stretch the middle of the defense and and hopefully put some pressure on it. You've seen Travis Kelsey, you've seen Zach Ertz in similar offenses uh, put up big numbers. And so I think the offense certainly provides the opportunity for this position to be a big impact player. Um, Unfortunately, this tight end free agent class is not particularly deep uh in my opinion the top of the market is hunter henry i don't see how the chargers let him go i think he's going to get tagged um or signed to a to an extension and so i just i don't see him being out there and i think the next tier and i I don't know if you you need to like cover your ears uh (laughs) or what but it's it's austin hooper and eric ebron and eric ebron wants to play for the bears I, you can just like he's got a connection to mitchell trubisky in north carolina mm-hmm. and i i he just says things on social media that's like hey yeah i'm interested and i know you are very anti eric ebron so let's just get that out right now
2: yeah no i don't need to hide that that's that's all over if you follow me you know i'm not a huge eric ebron fan Not i have nothing against him as a person i think he's an okay player he was highly overdrafted uh, he was very one-dimensional in college. People uh, drafted him for potential. Uh, he realized some of that with the Colts, very little of that with the Lions. i never an Ebron fan and and still not because he's going to want big-ish money. He's had enough success where he can kind of demand that. The tight end class is, I think, sort of sneaky deep uh, this year in the draft, but it is not. Right top heavy by any stretch there is not a clear number one or um frankly many people floating out there uh that can fill that role so he's going to go after big dollars and no thank you to any of that in fact uh, i'm going to say no thank you to big dollars to free agent tight ends period because the last four or five big free agent tight end signings if you look at them are a graveyard of dollars for production like they do not pay off they are lopsided contracts you pay a lot to get that guy and they have not been in the free agency market well worthwhile so i'm saying no to big dollars especially in a year where the bears have limited dollars now we've talked about that but none of these players really excite me i love hunter henry he was my tight end one the year he came out he struggled badly with injuries when he's healthy he's great if you could guarantee me a great healthy hunter henry sure thing put him on the bears no problem sign him up right now but you can't guarantee that hooper i wasn't a fan of he's definitely outplayed my expectations i thought he was okay i definitely didn't dislike him like i liked ebron uh disliked ebron but he's played better even than i thought he would even though i thought he would be solid He's exceeded my expectation, and again, that means he's going to get probably top money in the TE market for free agency. And good on him; he should get every dollar he can. I just don't want it to be from the Bears. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you on Ebron. I I have this bad feeling that it's it, it, it's it's more possible to happen than we might like. But Ryan Pace has passed on him once already. Um, and so, <laughs> Oh, you keep well, open, I'm JB. Just, you I'm keep just saying I, it, it, you kind of, but it was different circumstances and all that. I get that. Uh, Hooper, uh, I could see him going after Hooper. Um, I think there's some pressure to, to fix this position and I could see him, uh, pushing multiple resources towards it. Um, but if you don't go out and get somebody, uh, then you're definitely saying one of those second round picks is going to go after one of those tight ends. Right. Um, Mm, I don't think so, but right, we can we'll, talk we'll about get that. to that. All right. So the other two guys that I have written down, and you might have more, um, but to, oh, I do, I do. This is going to be my wild swing okay. category. So these are both uh, big injury history guys. So to, for me, I want to stay away from them. Uh, that's Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert. Of the two, I would take a flyer on Eifert, um, just because again, you know, the Dalton to Eifert connection. Let's well, just <laughs> sorry. Um, sure. I think why that's... not he he he's had a lot of injuries uh but they've been i think more leg injuries which uh, that's not great but uh jordan reeds had a lot of concussion issues and you know unfortunately yeah. for him i would stay I would away from that. that as an organization yep. uh i heard you know hope, hopefully he can get his career back on track and, and stay healthy and he'd be the guy that i'd i'd, I'd be willing to take a, a low risk contract on uh what about those two guys and then give me who else? Uh, the your big swing all right, these are my wild swings. I have a uh,
2: well. The first thing we're going to do is crank up the wayback machine, because back when Logan Thomas was coming out as a quarterback, <laughs> I said he should convert to tight end. And if he had, he would have been tight no worse than tight end two that year. He probably would have been tight end one. People say, why would you say this about? A quarterback, right? Didn't they just say this about Lamar Jackson? He should be another position. Well, the difference between Lamar Jackson and Logan Thomas is Lamar Jackson is an excellent right. quarterback. <laughs> Logan Thomas was an average quarterback, and he would have been a great tight end. How do you know, EJ? He was actually recruited to UVA as a tight end and switched to quarterback. Now he got his shot. He got drafted as a quarterback. He was adamant, "I'm a quarterback." He got drafted as a quarterback he bombed out as a quarterback he switched to tight end to stay in the league lo and behold now logan thomas is 6'6 248 this year out of the draft class only colby parkinson from stanford is taller Uh, logan thomas ran a 4'6 140 that would have put him second this year in the class his vertical jump was 35-5 that was tied for fourth with two other guys this year his three cone was 705, yeah. which is really good for a guy that size. Third this year, if he was stacking up against this year's tight end class. And his 20-yard shuttle was 4.18. That would have been first this year. And again, remember, this guy has experience playing tight end. Not at a high level, but he's a tight end in the pros and has been for the past couple of years. So here's a guy, 6'6", 248, the can block. He's got good speed, four six one. Uh that's a target that you can go after and nobody's going to be bidding for logan thomas right the bears could spend very little money and potentially get some kind of return in this offense for logan thomas so that's my that's my wild pitch for logan thomas that i wish he'd come out as a tight end and just established his sort of place in the league there he didn't he switched maybe that's to the bears benefit maybe they go bargain shopping and pick up a guy that's got a ton of physical capability my second guy clive walford good all-arounder uh, played with the Raiders for a while. Now he's uh, most recently with the Dolphins. He'll be much cheaper than Hooper, and I don't think his production will be all that much less. If you look at the first couple of years that he was in uh, then Oakland, now soon to be Las Vegas, uh, he had great production. They threw, I think, uh, something like 80-ish balls at this guy. He caught 59 of them. Had a you know good production in terms of yards and decent production in terms of touchdowns. This is a good sort of all-around guy that you can plug in. He's not your move tight end, but he can absolutely eat snaps in that offense. And again, he's going to be available for fairly cheap. And my last guy, my send-up-a-flare guy, late-wave free agent guy, minimum contract, is Seathan Carter. Who the hell is Seathan Carter, EJ? He came out of Nebraska. Um, I really liked his movement skills coming out. Um, His hands were a little iffy. He did make the league. He's, he's hung around. He's a potential as a backup to move, but I'd draft a late rounder before I'd really grab him. So those are my wild swings, okay. top, middle, and bottom.
1: Yeah, those are pretty wild. You're, I mean, spring training for baseball is in full yep, effect. Yep. You're, you're swinging for the fences. Taking cuts. I like it. Taking cuts. <laughs> take, take your cuts. You're, you're trying to swing off the tee right now. All right, we got one more position that I want to cover, and that's uh, the hole that's at right guard. Now, we think Alex Barr's... Uh, is going to at least provide competition for that spot but I, it would be pretty reckless to just hand the undrafted region the job um out of the gates and so uh I, i'm not in love with the guard market um brandon scherf's top of the market there's no way that the bears are gonna go after uh, brandon scherf he's gonna get a lot of money from someone and i cannot see it being the bears um i would love it it would make me very happy uh, <laughs> why so jb why <laughs> uh yeah I, just, I, I don't know i just uh some weird connection just, you got to brandon Scherf. yeah um obviously the, the hawkeye connection uh but the other two guys i i wrote down and look i just i really m- like mike Ayupati, mm-hmm. and he's just he's I don't know where he's at in his career maybe he's, he's he's 32 maybe 33 at some point here in the near future um you know the guy's been around for a while maybe he's not able to perform at the level that you want but he is a big strong guy and uh, everything that i've seen out of him over his career is that teammates love him and uh, he's a great guy in the locker room and i think that Goes a long way, I think he would fit in in that right guard spot and really get some of that Kyle Long mojo up. And so I, I kind of like that idea if he if his game is still there. And I don't know if it is, um, but but I kind of like that idea. And then the other guy is is Graham Gla- Glasgow, uh, who's Bears fans should at least be somewhat familiar with if you guys follow offensive line play at all. Younger guy, um, maybe a little too expensive, but he'd be an interesting guy to bring in uh, to try to round out that line. Where are you at on the free agents uh, for guard position?
2: Yeah, we'll talk about Glasgow in a minute because we're aligned there. Mike guy potted, interesting. Uh is interesting. He's a big guy. He's a tough guy. Yes, his skills have declined. Yes, he can still sort of deliver. He's a warrior. He's been doing it. Uh, he's probably got a year or two more. I'm not sure I want to go after in a year uh, when I have limited resources, a guy like that. Um, not because he'd be bad in the locker room. I think just like you, he'd be great in the locker room. Um, I, I don't know that the on-field production would be equal. If I'm going to spend some free agent dollars when I've got a limited budget, I'm going after Graham Glasgow. He's a good, solid guard. He knows the division. He's played against all these guys. He's only 28 years old. He's going to get a bunch of money, but he's not going to get Brandon Scherf money. Now, you're still going to have to pay him, but I think you can sign this guy for 3 4 Possibly even five years. He's only 28. Offensive linemen easily play into their mid 30s. So Graham could be an investment, and I don't think it would be a bad one. He's my number one on the list uh, because, again, like you I don't think Scherf is is a gamble worth taking. Uh, and he's probably just out of the market dollars wise, anyways. The consolation right. prize, if you can't get Glasgow out of me, is Andres Pete out of new orleans um hmm. guy came in as a tackle has shifted to guard new orleans famously prioritizes interior protection because that's the way drew reese likes it that's let's be honest that's the reason and pete's played fairly well there they've had a long history of guards uh and again pace has got a new orleans connection he'll know about pete he'll be less money than glasgow and i think that's uh probably proper uh pete is not the player but again you could fill him in he's a pro uh he's got great physical talent um that's not a shortage with Anders pete he's a sort of physical marvel he's one of those guys that destroyed the combo and a guard and the last guy is parker i think it's enger so uh he's only 26 solid but not spectacular guard he can move so for all those sort of sprint outs and sort of um shift option plays that the Bears are gonna run or or big pulling moves. Parker Anger is a guy that I think they could get. Is he a huge signing? No, he's he's just kind of even competition for bars, I think.
1: Yeah, Pete's a good good one. I just thought that he'd just go back to New Orleans. It's totally possible, and that can
2: always happen. We should say that as a caveat about all these guys. They could could just resign, stay where they're happy, stay where their family is, stay where they know a coach or an offensive system or whatever – um, that happens all the time. People kind of just drop out, just don't really test the market, um, don't want the insecurity of being a, a true free agent and flying around and not knowing where they're going to land. Other guys really relish that,
1: and we'll see who sorts themselves out here pretty quickly. Absolutely. So that that's all I have for the offensive side of the ball. Did you have any other players at any positions we didn't talk about or anybody we missed? And you want to just plug real quick? Um, Running back,
2: there are a couple of guys. uh, I love Jonathan Williams. He played for Indianapolis last year. He's a very physical back out of Arkansas. Uh, Most recently, like I said, with the Colts, he could back up Montgomery very capably for a solid stretch. Provides a bit more open field burst in terms of his pure straight line speed, although he's a little less shifty. He's not going to make as many people miss as Montgomery would, but the offensive line would love him. He runs very hard. He had some good results being the backup. Um, Saw the field for Indianapolis this last year. I loved him coming out. He went to Buffalo Um, Now he's coming out of Indianapolis. I think, again, going to be available in the second tier, the third tier of free agency. Not going to be super expensive. Um, There's not a premium on running back. And if you can get a guy like Jonathan Williams to back up Montgomery in case he gets injured, look, it's a high wear position. Give it a shot. And on the other end of the spectrum for running back, DeAndre Washington, scat back type with... More power than you think could sort of simulate that Cohen role if they want to um, send Cohen out to be a receiver a little bit more. And and Washington's a decent receiver. He caught 36 balls last year. That would have put him fourth on the Bears for any type of offensive player catching passes, which is a sad stat in and of itself. But I uh, liked Washington coming out. He's a Texas Tech guy. And and if you want to sort of back up Cohen and add that sort of pass catching... Um, speed element to the running back room i think he'd be a decent ad again don't pay these guys a ton of money or really sort of any money at all wait till the second or third wave of free agency if they're still there poke around see if they're willing to take a contract they'd be solid ads and you need to you need guys like that build the roster so uh that's it for me okay
1: all right well um let's circle back to the beers uh how was your uh beverage for tonight crazy lovely i really
2: like browns and this is a very good example of one um well within your roundhouse jb only 20 ibus nice um and 5.5 percent alcohol by volume um it is brewed with flaked oats so they say i don't know really what that means but it (laughs) gives somewhat smoother finish i think think. um Little bit of semi-sweet, they say, notes of chocolate, toffee, hints of fresh coffee. I didn't really taste too much of that. There wasn't a ton of sweetness, but, you know, the lack of bitterness, maybe, is the sweetness, but it still tastes like beer. It's really well-balanced. If you can get a hold of some, I would highly recommend it. Again, the Maduro Brown Ale
1: from Cigar City Brewing out of Tampa. Yeah, Cigar City's awesome. So, anything by them, just pick it up. All right, so Reasonably Corrupt, our nod to Ken Mitchell, so... Ken, this beer is for you. Um, it also, five point five. First time we've had the exact same oh matching yeah, matching yeah. alcohol content.
2: Scorigami for alcohol <laughs> content.
1: Uh, and so I, yeah, it's pretty good. I, I like I like the black lagers. Um you, you don't see a lot of them, and every time I have them, I'm like yeah, this is good. I don't think I'd want to drink three of them, um, but <laughs> you know, like you have one, it's like yep, that's good. That's a good beer. I'm fine with this. so yeah Yeah. good stuff all right well um back in the saddle and we'll uh we'll come back and do uh defense here soon uh but do you want to get us out of here yeah absolutely so as always you can follow both jeff and i's work
2: on windy city gridiron you can follow jeff on twitter at gridiron you can find me at the draftsman fb and we would be remiss if we didn't mention our podcasting colleagues at windy city gridiron we've got lester Wilt Fong with T formation conversation. Uh, Robert Schmitz, who we gave a little bit of garbage to in this podcast, but his love for uh, car is waning, so we'll take him back into the fold. He's got bear with me. And Bill Zimmerman has his podcast as well. Just recently had some NFL insiders, including uh, Benjamin Albright, on there. So if you're not listening to that, you really should be because it will keep you up on all the offseason Bears news. But uh, keep it tuned here because we're going to have lots more as we go through free agency and the draft and positional evaluations and. Of course, says into off-season workouts we'll carry you through there as well when the doldrums hit but until then uh we love the fact that you're here we're excited about season two and listen up and bear down